Welcome to Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. I'm your host, Phil, and in this episode, I was interviewing Trey Gamage. In 2017, he started the Gamage Consulting Group, a family-owned education consulting firm who helps K-12 school communities implement school-wide social and emotional programs and practices. And he's also the host of the Dash podcast, which is all about social emotional learning. There are now over 200 episodes of that podcast. Anyway, hope you enjoy this episode with Trey. And to the episode! So, Trey, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you ended up working in SEL. Well, I'll do I'll do a brief history of, of coming up in school. When I was I went to eight different schools by the time I finished high school and we moved 11 different times. So I had to learn to connect with people quick and very often. And so even today is something that uh, I think is a gift for me, something that I've been blessed with to connect with people and, and have those sort of communication skills. But I'm born and raised in South Bend, Indiana. I was an athlete at first. And uh, even in kindergarten, they said I was going to be a child psychologist or a baseball player. They were very close because I studied psychology in college and I played football. So, so pretty close. And it's in, it's in school and at Miami, Ohio, where psychology really opened up my eyes a lot. Again, I went in thinking I was going to do abnormal counseling psychology, but I also realized I wasn't about to go to school for six more years after I finished my bachelor's. So I studied a lot of judgment and decision-making, actually, performance pressure, and also did a lot of social psychology at a minor in management and leadership. And that just helped me be very well-rounded along with the global perspectives. And when I studied abroad, my last semester of college, decided not to play a fifth year of football and decided instead to go and spend my last semester of college in Europe. And when I tell you, Phil, that that semester in college changed my life, it made the world flat for me. You know, I had been to Australia in high school, but being able to go to another country or another continent and be able to travel freely and realize that the things are still the same over here. People are still living the same way and all that just made the world very flat for me. So once I came back and graduated, I decided to move to South Carolina, which is a 12 hour drive from my hometown in a town with about 8,000 people and not much going on. I call it the twilight zone, but because of that, there was nothing but opportunity. I was working at a residential high school, actually in student affairs. I was a residence life coordinator. And that's where I started to pick up a little more on SEL. And just I lived with 45 junior and seniors, uh, 17, 18-year-olds on campus. And so I really got to know them. And, I, and they were geniuses. This was a, a STEM school, a state-funded STEM school that you know the, the parents of, of diplomats went there a lot of wealth, very prodigious folks, but they were still so lacking in some of their basic SEL skills. And so that's where we had conversations and and tried to give them different experiences and opportunities to learn outside themselves. And so that parlayed into my speaking career. I spoke a lot with Toastmasters and their world championship of public speaking, over a hundred schools and and audience members, and then um, started consulting with the Gamage Consulting Group. And so for the past three years or so, I've been providing professional development for teachers, been emotional coach for teachers, 
and uh, helping schools implement SEO programs. And, and that has parlayed once more into a Dean of Students opportunity here at the PD Math Science and Technology Academy, a K-12 rural Title I charter school. We got about 220 kids. So um, it's amazing. It's a blessing. And I, I, SEL has truly been a, it's been a godsend for me. You know, again, psychology, emotional intelligence, SEL. SEL is emotional intelligence for education. And then emotional intelligence is pretty much psychology at a lower level. So they, there's kind of been a, a slow progression to narrowing down to what, what do I really love? What do I really want to do? And for me, at first, it was all about just motivation and inspiration. But motivation doesn't last. People actually need skills. They actually need to practice these things in, you know, or else my speech or, or what I'm doing is going to wear off by the time the day is over. What specifics about the travel and traveling in Europe? Was there like a transformational moment that occurred for you or some sort of in, incredible learning? I'd say one, I mean, there, there's so many of them. I mean, we travel to a different country every weekend. And so I think that access, you know, though that's a, that's a key access. And you talk about experience-based learning. I've been other places, done a lot of things, but going to have access to 14 countries in four months was amazing. But in particular, it was in Florence, Italy. I sat down at a restaurant right below the Michelangelo Piazza and I, I was eating the pizza and I called my dad. That was amazing to me that that as simple as it is, that was that was so simple. I was just like, wow, I'm living a real real life dream right now. And I know my dad had always wanted to go to Italy or it, it, and that, that just that connection. They're like, man, I'm halfway across the world. I'm in Italy and I can just pick up the phone and call my dad. What else do I have access to? You know, opportunities are unlimited in this world. And, and that was something that just kind of opened my eyes to it. I think along with that trip to Italy, I spent nine days in Italy by myself. And so typically we traveled in packs. But to to know that I can navigate a foreign country and continent on my own, where I don't even know the, the main language and just enjoy and be with myself. I mean, that was that was that was so amazing. The third piece of it is just not having access. I didn't have like a data plan. That was before you could just turn on your data plan in another country. So most of the time I didn't have access to Wi-Fi or my phone. So I was really taking everything in. And so that 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 whole I got to experience it all, you know, and take it all in without any distractions. You also uh, reference the passion that you have for SEL and the importance that you think that it has. I, I was recently um, interviewing Chip Wood. I don't know if you're familiar with Chip. He made this one statement that really stuck to me. He said, academics and SEL are one and the same thing in schools. You can't have academia without having SEL. Is that something you see in the, in the work you do? Without a doubt, man. I, so similarly, and I think this continues to speak to the connection and parallels, at least through podcasting. I had Marisa Elias on my podcast and he's the social emotional character development director at Rutgers University. And they have a whole lab that they do. And in his interview, he said, SEL is to education as the alphabet is to reading. You can't have one without the other. And so that, that was the same kind of experience there. And when you look at, if you look at the world economic forum and they look at job skills, job responsibilities, 
eight out of the top 10 skills you need to be successful, and I'm putting quotations up in the work field, have to do with emotional intelligence, which is SEL competency. So these skills to be able to navigate life. And, and even when I started, my, my first role as a consultant was as an emotional coach for teachers. And the first thing that I recognized when I started going and visiting classrooms is that teachers were re- reacting rather than responding to what was happening in their classroom. And what I mean by that is, is as soon as something disrupts your attention or your lesson, you throw your lesson aside and you attack this kid or you address this student in a way that doesn't just disrupt you or the st- the kid, but the whole class. Instead, how do we respond? And, and I felt like that came from a place of, of baggage that you don't know you have, of bias that you don't know exists, or blind spots that you can't see. And so that's when it, another kind of click or trigger came for me like, hey, I love students so much, but if I can't connect with the teachers and they can't connect with the students, this isn't going to work. So, and that's where the systematic SEL approach comes. And that's why I'm, I'm taking an approach of, of school-wide SEL implementation, because even just at that classroom level is good. And, and don't get me wrong, you should, if your school isn't on board with school-wide, you should absolutely have those components. But the systematic approach from a school-wide lens, it, it, it does wonders of magic for the rest of your school community. Well, that's why, you know, uh, it, I love the work that I do as a trainer because it's the exact same role. It's it's working with the educators mm-hmm. that can then work with the kids because, mm-hmm. and, we w- and we do a lot of programming with the kids uh, for our Edge Leadership program, but we also make sure that the teachers are a component participant in the program. It's not, yep. we're taking over for you. This We've got this substitute person who's going to do this SEL program and then we leave that it has to be um, systemic all the way around that yes. everyone's a part of it and everyone's bought into it. And that's that's the that's a harder part, but that's the way it all's going to work. Otherwise, it's literally Trey's coming in or Phil's coming in and it's like, mm-hmm. all right, goodbye. And it's done. And it's done. Yep. And it's not worth it. And, now, and, and, you know, we may come back to this or, or dive deeper on it now, but I've, I've recognized as well in my SEL research that there's not much programming for adult SEL. You know, I, I love the experience-based uh, aspect and how you're able to provide the adult SEL through the experience learning. But then when I see, I see research that shows that adults that have SEL competencies are able to teach and model better for their kids. But when I research adult SEL programs or adult SEL curriculum or adult SEL training, not much comes up, you know, explicitly. And so that, that's been an area where I've, I've started to focus even more and narrowing down and not just SEL or even school-wide, but I'm going to focus on adult social-emotional learning because those are pieces where I, I've had teachers say, hey, I, I thought SEL was just for kids. Like, how could you think that? Like, this is, these are life skills right here. Um, but I think that's a component that's often missed. And I, there's some programs coming out now, and, and I've started a platform as well called SEL Educators that is dedicated 100% to adult SEL. And we use, we, we've got five courses now, and we're going to be continuing to add courses there. But I think that component is one that we often miss. And so I'm glad High Five is doing that, you know, and, and I'm looking to start doing even more of that on a digital platform now as well. Yeah, I, I'm always amazed. Like, I'm wearing a T-shirt that says Play um, <laughs> because, like, that's what I do for a large component of my work. And yep. and it's seen as Play is a um, is a is an act that a child does. The play mm-hmm. in in the in the adult world, play is more. You know, we know we can actually play a soccer game, or we, you know, it's it's a really controlled. It's not yeah. playful, in in what the definition could be of play. I teach people that what I would really like an educator to be is not childish, but childlike. 
so they yes. understand like how what it's like to be a child and actually immerse in the world of a child because that's a super fun space to be in but there's also so much information you get from that but what do you yeah. think from is you a reference in the adult seo why isn't there uh, already stuff for adults in this what's what's holding back adults from entering into the seo world isn't there is there an arrogance there's an assumption of knowledge what, <laughs> what is it i think that there's there's such an emphasis on the kids and the standards and everything else that so many times we just think of SEL as, as an add-on, as something additional or something extra, but it's the missing piece. SEL is to education as the alphabet is to reading. And so from what I've seen, most of the research is done for kindergarten through second grade, those primary years. And so even when we look at middle school and high school, there, there's, 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 not, there's not a lot of research. There's not a lot of data that says in it's still, when we're thinking about the systematic and data-driven approach, we're still looking at and coming up with new ways to measure the success of SEL. So I think the, the f- emphasis has been on K-12. In this quarantine, I've heard more in the last five months about SEL than I had in, in the previous five years of my career. I, I, every platform in Maybe part of this is because I'm in the industry now and I'm looking for these things, but it seems like every other platform is is putting that emphasis on SEL. And now we recognize that connection comes before content, but I don't think that that was true before then. And going back, and you might get me on a tangent here because our colleges don't teach SEL. You may have one classroom management class, but they're focused on pedagogy. And then when teachers come out of school and they go into the classroom, they got their pedagogy, but you don't know how to connect with your kids. You never played Ubuntu. You never heard about SEL. And and I saw a study, I think it's from Castle. They or um, asked the Aspen Institute. Most colleges will only teach one or two of the core five Castle competencies of SEL. And I think it's self-awareness and self-management. So the other competencies that they're not, they're not even talked about in a university curriculum. So I think we're just, we're just missing that. And the emphasis has been on the kids initially as it should be. But I think if you want to reach teacher or reach students, you have to teach the teachers. It, it, as we were starting to talk about this, it struck into my brain like something I, I was reading and I watched a, a video that you had on your website where you talked about bridging the gap and you talked about being mm. a millennial and then also the like there's a role modeling of bridging those two components together, yeah. bridging that gap. Speak a little bit to that. Like what did you mean when you referenced bridging the gap? So, so I felt like that was at a time when I was actually running for city council in Hartsfield where I live, again, small town. And I just felt very connected. I had that was right after Donald Trump got elected and just complete transparency. I didn't vote. I didn't think it mattered. I thought the election was stupid. And that was like that was a wake up call for me, too. Like, OK, I made a mistake. Let me try to fix it. I'm going to go. And I, I saw the deficits in my community. I saw the deficit between black and white. I saw the deficit of rich or poor. I saw the deficit of older, young. And I feel like that I've been blessed with a ability to connect between those generations where when I come on a campus, I love kids and they love me too. You know, and I think that they can feel my childish motivation when I'm speaking with them, but also I'm not talking to them like they're kids. And, and um, I, I don't know if you have a copy of my book, but it, it's written very personally and it's written very, it's written to a person first. Every, every, chapter was written as a letter to an individual and not a blanket statement. And at the same time, I feel like I'm able to 
hear what our youth are saying and understand what our youth are trying to say and translate that language into our elders. So I'm in a position now where most of the people that I work with at school on the city council are 20 years my senior. And at the same time, while I'm on campus, like with the kids, they're 10 years my junior. So everybody's either 10 years younger than me or 15 to 20 years older than me. And I'm just, I'm in the middle. Like I'm, I'm, it, I'm bridging that gap. And so that's kind of where that came from. How do we, how do we connect these dots and make it so we can pass this torch between generations? And I don't know how much we want to go into generations, but it, it's, it's getting more important now because I'm going to use the word power has skipped a generation you've or two generations for that matter you've got your baby boomers who were the largest generation in the history of the world due to the wars and lasted you know 20 years and i don't even know how many people were baby boomers baby boomer one and two but their kids generation x there was much less of so baby boomers are between the 40s and the 60s so between 65 and 1980 it was very small because women started going to work and both parents were working. So people were having less kids and smaller families. So that generation is a fraction of the size as the baby boomers. But those people had the millennials. So you got baby boomers, you've got generation X, then you have Y or the millennials. That was the largest generation. But now you're looking at a situation where the, the structures and the systems that we have in the world skipped from baby boomers, Generation X did not get much passed down because our baby boomers are still in power and they won't let go of the keys to the gate. But now millennials are here and we're the largest. And Gen Z, our kids in school now and the first crop are starting to graduate, they're even bigger than millennials. So now we're, we're facing a, a, a significant turnaround where power shifts from baby boomers all the way down to millennials and generation z and because there's that gap that means there's going to be some things missing that that's why there's so much social unrest because there was a generation where the information didn't get passed on the gap wasn't bridged and, and that's the gap the 15 years of that generation is a gap that hasn't been bridged and that's one of the big reasons why there are so many gaps in in pick a system that there's a problem in um that that's the reason why if you ask me let's let's jump into uh the book that you referenced and the the title of the book is every decision counts eight lessons i wish they taught me in school speak to that a little bit what do, what do you mean by every decision counts every decision counts it's really, it stems from a idea or a concept that one of my football coaches in college talked to us about. And he, this is my, maybe my junior year of college, and he put on the board two dates. He put, you know, today, August 1st, and then September 31st, which was our first game. I'm just making those up. And he said, what's the most important, he put a dash in the middle. He said, what's the most important thing on this board? We all said today, we all said game day. And he was like, nope, it's this dash right here in the middle. And this dash is, is the marathon of life. It's from the day you're born to the day you die. If you think about it, you don't remember anybody that you know that's passed because of the, you don't remember their birthday. You remember the day they passed. You remember how they made you feel while they were here. You remember those memories. And it's also the short term. Every day you're building your dash. So it's the long-term legacy, but it's also the decisions that you make on a daily basis that compound to become your life. And so every decision counts. I failed a drug test in college and it came at a point where I wasn't worried about my decisions. I was, I was struggling in college. I was 
on the bench playing football. My girlfriend had cheated on me. I was missing my family. And I said, man, forget it. I, I don't, I don't care. I, I'm just going, I'm just going to smoke and see what happens. And I got drug tested and I failed that drug test. And this $50,000 scholarship was now up in the air and I didn't know what to do. Fortunately, the, the school knew my heart. I was able to get a warning. I had to go see a psychologist, a school, a sports psychologist. But that, that was the beginning of the idea for the book. But moving onward after that, um, I, I kept on realizing it was a speech. I, I ended up giving that speech at Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. And when I started my podcast, it was as a way to add value consistently for free. And I know you know this as a podcaster. For me, it's an excuse to to reach out to people, have conversations and really get these coaching sessions because I get to ask you all the questions about what led you to be successful or how you avoided failure. And as I was going through my podcast episodes, I was like, wow, these are some amazing stories that are here, how failing is your first attempt at learning. And it's actually what gets you started or how there was this guy in chapter two who he was a drug dealer. He was about to get caught up on a federal RICO charge, racketeering, drugs, extortion, all that ended up getting the charges dropped and graduating with uh, as the valedictorian of his high school. And now he's one of the, the top athletic trainers in the city. Another chapter about only quality people. This was a man that I competed with in Toastmasters World Championship. He was homeless. He was an army veteran who ended up homeless on the streets, almost killed himself, and then came back by starting an insurance company out of a crack motel. And now he is a presenter and he teaches people how to pitch their business. So there's just so many lessons that I learned from life, from going to eight schools, and moving 11 different times from talking to these people. I, there's so many life lessons that I was taught that I, I really should have been taught in school and I wasn't. Super happy that we were able to connect, Trey. I like cut from similar cloths in terms of our passions and the stuff that we, we want to do that. So I really enjoyed the connection last point before i let you go and then we'll get into also where people might be able to find more about you in the current climate we've got the covid outbreak we've got um discussions around equity and there's a lot of discussions that need to be had i feel especially mm-hmm. at the educational level do you think this is maybe sel's time to shine do you feel like this is our time to startly to have some impact in stuff that happens If SEL is not a part of your school's plans and you don't have a plan for SEL, you're you're behind. I think the the times of being an early adopter for SEL are over. And, you know, now it's now now it's going to become much more of a trend. It has to, you know, because I, I believe in the person coming first and you have to develop the talents, the tools the resources that currently exist. And and even before the mortgage and the finances, we got to teach people. Okay, and people are going through things right now and SEL is a way to fix that. And so I I absolutely think that, you know, people don't know that SEL Castle, one of the founders in America, started in 1990. And I mentioned Maurice Elias. He started his research on character development at SEL in the 70s. So SEL is not new, but it's finally getting over that hump. And so I'm I'm uber excited because every school that I've talked to and I've, I've had calls, I did a training last week on some SEL and, and before people were doing SEL just to check that box off their list and, and let the district know, hey, we had SEL training. 
go ahead and scratch us off. But now I feel like people really care and I feel like it's, it's necessary and it's important. So I, I a hundred percent agree. Now is the time for SEL to shine and it should be a part of your back to school plans and not just the start of school, but throughout the entire year. Well, awesome. Thank you, Trey. And hopefully people listen to this are inspired by what you're saying and the other stuff that we say, guys, I, I agree. I think it's so, so important right now. Just to wrap up, how am I, uh, anyone who's listened to this who is interested to connect with you further, how can they find you? Of course. So you can find me at Trey Gamage, T-R-E-G-A-M-M-A-G-E, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also visit my website, TreyGamage.com. And if you're looking for some skill building, you can go to SELeducators.com. We've got four courses out right now. Um, one of the most popular one is three restorative SEL practices to use in your classroom. There's adult SEL self-assessment. There's a course about how to build a teacher mastermind, how to set 90-day goals, and how to get unstuck. We'll be rolling out courses every month for the rest of 2020. And I'm excited to, to continue to help folks with their social-emotional learning activities. Awesome. Thank you so much, Trey. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>